0: Well, anything to get the joy of the Lord going, right? (laughs) We're going to go ahead and continue on here in Luke chapter 22, see how much further we can get. We've been going through the whole book of Luke, and uh, I'm just itching to get it done, so (laughs) let's see what happens. It says, Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew nigh, or near, which is called the Passover, Wow, you know, if you read in Exodus about that first Passover, that was quite the thing. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Gosh, they didn't seem too eager to kill the Passover. They seemed awful eager, however, to kill the final Passover lamb. If you get my meaning, you get my drift here. See what I mean? Uh, Here it was, the chief priests and scribes. Again, those religious leaders. Super religious. Religious spirits now. Sought how they might kill him, speaking of Jesus, for they feared the people. Uh Uh-huh. Boy, I guess there were some other people there that wanted him dead as well. Verse 3, then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the 12, those 12 disciples. Isn't that something now? Satan himself entered into Judas Iscariot. Mm -hmm. That's what it took, didn't it? Betrayed. And he went his way, speaking of Judas here, and communed with the chief priests and captains, conferred with them how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and covenanted to give him money. Agreed to give him money. And he promised. Well, what a promise, huh? And sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. Looks like he was afraid of the people as well in the absence of the multitude. That's something. You know, they gave him the 30 pieces of silver for this. Mm-hmm. He took a bribe. He was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. But he was going to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. I think that's interesting. Just to stop there. Um, then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed or Literally sacrificed. Now, this was a lamb that they would kill and then strike the doorpost and the lintel with the blood so that the death angel would pass over. And God, through Moses, told the people, said, Look, you're going to do this Passover now every time that time of year comes around so that you'll remember that I delivered you out of the hard bondage of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Whenever we sit down to dinner, we say, Lord, bless the food and the hands that made it and the wonderful friends that we have here to eat and enjoy this blessing. That's the way we do the Passover and take communion today. Jesus said, look, here's the last supper. We're going to go through this. But He goes, here, look, this is the last supper I'm going to have with you. I'm not going to eat this Passover anymore until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of heaven. (laughs) That was an interesting thing for him to say too. I'm not going to eat this anymore. You're going to eat it now. You're going to eat my flesh and drink my blood. You're going to go out and preach the gospel and be rejected and be hated, and that's eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And then the ones that will receive you will enter into the kingdom of God. (laughs) They'll make it. He says, but I'm not going to eat this anymore. You're going to have to do it. He told them they were going to have to do it before he told them that he wasn't going to do it anymore. He got them used to the idea and then hit them with it a little bit all of a sudden (laughs) later on. And this is coming down in just a few more verses, so this should be good. Anyway, the Passover is going to be killed here. How about the last one? Remember, back in in some of the first chapters here, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. The Lamb, without spot and without blemish, was the one to be killed for the Passover to do that. To do that old tradition, because that's just what it had become. It was no more a sacred thing to the people. It was just something that they had to do to get by. It wasn't so that they could really remember the Lord or really have a sacred thing in mind. It was just another meal. It was just another excuse to drink wine and to be seen in the marketplace and to have that upper room and to have a nice Sunday dinner. Mm Mm-hmm especially when, it, as far as the, uh, the religious spirits and the religious so-called leaders were concerned. That was their time to really whoop it up uh-huh. and have leg of lamb and rack of lamb. Okay, verse 8, and he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. <laughs> I suppose if you look at that spiritually, that could mean a lot, couldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Let's get ready to do this. Go and prepare. Get prepared. Get ready, because here it comes. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when you are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in, and you shall say unto the goodman of the house, the master of the house, the master, the teacher, saith unto thee, where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? and he shall show you a large upper room furnished. there, make ready. Isn't that something? I know when ministers are sent out sometimes, the Lord just says, Just get down the freeway. All right, take this exit, take a left here, take a right over there, take another left. they're waiting for you in that little chapel right there. That's what happened to my dad one time. He was on his way, and the Lord just did that. The Lord did it right here, back in Jesus' day. This is how it's going to go down. And they went and found, as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. The entire 12. That's right. Even Judas Iscariot with Satan in him. Mm-hmm. Pretty serious stuff here. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire, or, or literally, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not eat any more thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. You notice he didn't say kingdom of heaven here. This is really getting close to that that fine line that was drawn between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, which is glory beyond all heavens now. Before his crucifixion, he would always teach heaven to the people because that was all that there was at the time. The kingdom of heaven that repented state to get you at least off the ground so that you could get nearer to him, so that you could get nearer to the kingdom of God here with the big G, the glorious part of God. Mm -hmm. Here it is. It's coming. He's foreshadowing this just slightly. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not going to eat any more (laughs) thereof. I like it. I like why he said that, because we have to do it now. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. What was that? That was the Holy Spirit he was going to promise them and did. And did bring it to them too. Mm Mm-hmm. I'll not drink of the fruit. You're going to go out there and bear the fruit Mm -hmm. so that the new wine, the fruit of the vine can come forth. And Jesus is that new wine. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave unto them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Just remember me. Just keep my commandments. Jesus always said, if you love me, Keep my commandments; don't break them. <laughs> uh huh. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, "This cup is the new testament in my blood, which is shed for you." Mm-hmm. The new covenant. Mm-hmm. A new and better testament, based on better promises. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that a, a, quite a statement? Just to s- sit there right in front of that spirit of the devil and just say, this is how it is? It's is the way it's going to be? Something. And truly the Son of Man goeth, as it was determined. But woe, or destruction, unto that man by whom he is betrayed, exclamation point. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that just amazing? Mm-hmm. He, he says, I'll go as it's determined, as Isaiah pointed out, as David pointed out, as others other prophets, major and minor, had been pointing out all along. I'm gonna, we're going to fulfill this, is what he's saying. Oh, Here, okay, as it was determined. Um, there's a reference for determined here. Looks like twenty-two B, John seventeen twelve, Acts two twenty-three. Those can be looked up later. Mhm. Uh, yeah, looks like I got that right. Okay. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing. Hmm. I don't think Satan had any question about who was going to do it. (laughs) Satan found the one he wanted to get the job done. (laughs) You know, uh, wow. Isn't that interesting? How many people have started outright and actually laid hands on the sick, cast out devils, healed the sick, raised the dead and everything, just to have a religious spirit come along, some religious devil, take away their salvation and give them religion, and turn them into uh, twofold more, a child of hell than they were from the beginning. It has happened. Mm-hmm. False prophets. Jesus had his disciples, and the devil just has one now, one here. Jesus had the 11 left, but the devil took one of them over and made him a minister of Satan. Something. hmm He let his power go, didn't he? He let something slip. He let the S of the saint slip off. (laughs) He just became an (laughs) ain't. He let his salvation go. Oh, and here's another good one. Since Satan is present here, now you have confusion and every evil work in this next verse. And there was also a strife, wrong spirit, A rivalry. Huh? Who is the devil? He's an adversary. He's your rival. He's the accuser of the brethren, accusing the saints of God before the face of God day and night. Huh? A rivalry. A strife. Among them. Of course there was strife among them. Satan was in one of them. That's how you knew. Mm Mm-hmm. Hadn't they already gone through this exercise before? Mm -hmm. And he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. In other words, the heathen out there have their kings and their gods and their little idols too. Today they're, they're rock stars and movie stars. Just a a couple of examples right there. And a lot of people look to them to be their benefactor. Right now, there's a a so-called presidential candidate now that even Rush Limbaugh, tongue-in-cheek, is calling the Messiah. And I think you all know who he is. His last name sounds like Osama. Anyhow, this is what Jesus is talking about. All right? that their natural kings exercise authority over them. And people say, well, this is good. This is a good and right thing to have this king. He's a good and just king. He makes good decisions. He has a lot of wisdom. That's fine. He's a, he's a benefactor. He's, it's good that we have this king. He says, but you shall not be so. In other words, this, we're not having a worldly discussion here. This isn't a discussion about politics. This isn't a discussion about who has the most power among you. I look in this room today and I'm looking at a room full of spirit-filled saints, true born-again Christians, first-called Christians in Antioch, who have the spirit. All of you are equal. I don't care who you are. From this little girl sitting there to the seasoned young lady over here, any one of you are no greater than the next one. I'm ministering the word today and I'm your servant. I'm here to serve you this Passover today. See? Mm-hmm. All right. Since we're going to make that point, let's, let's go on in 26. But you shall not be so. Don't be like them. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger and he that is chief as he that does serve. See? Point well taken. Mm -hmm. Chief or leader. If you're led by the Spirit, you don't need another brother to come and be leader over you. (laughs) You know what I mean? We all get to serve God as individuals. Another scripture says, Who art thou that judgeth another man's servant to his own master he standeth or falleth? Uh Uh-huh. Some religious spirit had gotten in there and Paul, I believe it was in Romans, had to tell the Romans, say, look, you don't go around judging one another anymore. The saints will judge the world, but not each other. That's what he meant. Another man's servant. Well, you all serve the man Christ Jesus. You all serve him. Why would I judge you? Because to your own master, Jesus Christ, you stand or fall. It's between you and God, not up to me. What you do. I got no business meddling around in any of your affairs, and I don't. In fact, most of you in this room could tell me right now, let me see a raise of hands. How many times have I ever bugged you or gotten into your business and and tried to, you know, get on the phone and, and mess you up real good? No hands? I'm glad. Because if there was one, I have to repent right now. Mm-hmm. That's how it should stay too. If I ever end up bugging any of you, let me know. And if I don't hear you, you tell it to the congregation. That's right. I'm commanded to be that way. All right? Let you grow to just feed you the word to let you grow the way you need to. Mhm. Verse 27, for whether is greater, he that sits at meat or he that serves, is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. He said, look, I'm here to get you started. I'm here to give you what the Father's got for you. Jesus is telling me this. I serve God. And before too long, I'm going to be serving the God in you. You want proof? Look in the book of Acts. Well, in Mark, hold on. If you want proof of that, you can look in Mark 16, 16. Let's go turn over there real quick. Ah, this should be good. Mm -hmm. As I'm turning over there, Jesus told the disciples, he said, the Lord sent me down here to finish his work. And he says, I'm going to send you guys out to finish my work. How about that? I got to get over there. Verse uh, verse fifteen of chapter sixteen in Mark, and he said unto them, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You go out and serve the Last Supper to them. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned, condemned in the judgment. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Them that believed. In my name shall they cast out devils, demons. They shall speak with new tongues. It's for you today. They shall take up serpents. You will deal with the spirit of the serpent on occasion. Coming, trying to come against you. The serpent is the one who tried to divide and did. Divide the mind of Eve back in Genesis. <laughs> uh huh. That was a neat thing to cover. I think I'll do it again. Satan entered into that serpent, first of all. He had to have a body to inhabit, to speak through. Then he came to Eve and said, Hath God said that you may eat of every tree of the garden? He says, Well, what about this tree here? Well, we're not to eat of it. He says, Yeah, I don't even want you to touch it or go near it lest you die. Die how? Physically, but more important, spiritually, that second spiritual death is something. That's the lake of fire that burns forever. That eternal separation from God. Mm-hmm. Plus God initially created man and woman, our bodies to live, to last forever. When she took that, the Lord shortened her life, put a curse on everything, took him out of the Garden of Eden to have to go and work it out and sweat and toil. But the first thing that caused all of that was that one lie. You will not surely die, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, you will be as gods with small g's. <laughs> Knowing both good and evil. Oh, will divide your mind. Jesus said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. That's the first thing he does, doesn't he? He divides that mind. Uh Uh-huh. We'll play devil's advocate over here, and then we'll pretend like we're doing good over there. That doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It's the spirit of Balaam. Mm -hmm. It's spiritual fornication is what it is. That devil got in there and split her mind. Mm -hmm. If thine eye be single, then the whole body is full of light. But if that light become darkness, then how great is that darkness? That's a good little one-two punch against the devil there. I think it's a little combo. I use combinations of Scripture sometimes to get my point across. That's fine too. Mm -hmm. All right, so there's the serpent. Divides the mind. That's what... Jesus told him, he said, this is what's going to come against you now. And if you drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. The poison drinkers down in the south and the snake handlers take this literally and make, uh, well, jackasses out of themselves. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now we have 19 and 20 coming to finish off Mark. And uh, this is the point that I wanted to get to now. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. My note here, the theologian actually says, Christ ascends to glory. Hey, that's interesting. (laughs) And then he talks a little bit about some other things. Somebody here knew what glory was. fine and they went forth and preached ever, everywhere the lord working with them that's the point where i was trying to get to and confirming the word with signs following amen the lord works with them he works with us today as a fellow helper as a brother mm-hmm. <laughs> isn't that neat Let's go back to Luke 22, uh, verse 28 now. He says, I am among you as he that serveth. See, there it is. All that, I said all that to say this. You are they which have continued with me in my temptations or during my trials. Mm-hmm. That was an interesting statement. You saw it through. I've known people who haven't saw it through and they're not in this room. They're not part of this body anymore. They were once and now they just ain't. <laughs> uh-huh. And I appoint unto you, I bestow upon you a kingdom as my Father has appointed unto me or bestowed upon me. hmm If Jesus didn't have it to give, what would we have today? Nothing. He has all the riches of glory. (laughs) And so should we. I would or I pray that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That's spiritually and then the physically and the financially come along afterward. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. That's how it's supposed to work. He says, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Mm-hmm. Isn't that something? He says, you're gonna, you guys are going to be able to be judges over them. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. He's talking to Peter now. Peter. Cephas, Simon Peter, he says, Behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. That's something. Mm -hmm. Don't let Satan get a hold of any of you. Let him sift you around. I know what it's like to be sifted, and it's not good. (laughs) I've been there. Mm -hmm. Same thing was said to me when I came back. Well, the devil desired to have you and you got sifted, but you're back. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And you know, there's a word here in this next verse that really applies to the same thing. When I came back, I felt like I was truly converted. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that could take me out of the way anymore or take me out of the will of God anymore. Once I was done with all that stuff and it was all done with me, I told the Lord, "So, all right, Lord, I've had enough of this. I need to get back to you and I need to get back to you quick because the way that I'm going now isn't good. This isn't working for me. And it's certainly not doing you or the saints any good. Now I'm back where I can do, start doing the work again and start doing some good for a change. Satan doesn't have me. (laughs) I'm going to sift his lousy ass now. Huh? That's right. That's the way I put it. I'm not the least bit sorry about it either. See, he's a cruel taskmaster and he doesn't have any regrets about working us over. i tell you that. He says, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. You know, a lot of people prayed for me too. My faith didn't fail. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Mm-hmm. When you've turned again, mm-hmm. <laughs> when you've done a full 180 <laughs> and turned back to God, uh huh. Yeah, when you're converted. Or in other words, when I send the Holy Spirit back to you and you get full of my Spirit, then you'll be able to have enough strength to strengthen your brethren. Feed my sheep. He told Peter, feed my sheep. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. Oh, I'm just ready to martyr myself. Religious spirit talking here. (laughs) Didn't he tell Peter, says, thou art Peter, you're a rock, and upon this foundation will I build my church? What's Peter saying here? Well, I'm ready to go die. Well, you're no good to me dead. That doesn't work. If you folks can stay alive and do the work of God, you're better off than go out and try to martyr yourself. That doesn't work. Unless it's your time for God to take you home. No good dead. A living dog is better than a dead lion. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he said unto them, when I sent you without purse and scrip and shoes, lacked ye anything, and they said nothing. Yeah, he sent them out. Don't carry your scrip, your backpack. It's the equivalent of today. And shoes, or too many pairs of shoes. Imelda Marcos. Yeah, lacked ye anything, they said nothing. Yeah, the just shall live by faith. They went, he sent them out by faith and just to live off their anointing. He gave them one whale of a good anointing, too, to to heal the sick and cast out devils and whatever else to do. Then said he unto them, But now, he that has a purse or a backpack, let him take it, and likewise his scrip, his bag. So take your wallet, take your backpack, and he that has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. Why don't you sell off the old filthy rags that you have in the natural and go buy a a nice new clean one, a garment that's unspotted by the flesh. That garment. Those that are arrayed in white in the the book of Revelation. That's what he's talking about here. Uh Uh-huh. Buy a sword. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. Quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I'm drilling this into you folks Just like it was drilled into me. (laughs) Okay. Buy one. Yeah. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, purified seven times. It's in Revelation. It's good. That's good stuff right there. He says, For I say unto you that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me. Accomplished being fulfilled. And he was reckoned among the transgressors for the things concerning me have an end. When he said, and he was reckoned among the transgressors, he was quoting from Isaiah 53, 12. Okay? A fulfillment of prophecy. And they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. (laughs) <laughs> just two? Oh, no, not just two filthy little uh, dinky natural swords. And he said unto them, It is enough. That, yeah, that'll do. With the idle talk. That, that's enough idle talk for now, in other words. So, sort of tongue in cheek, he told them, That's enough. <laughs> I've heard enough foolishness from the likes of you. Mm hmm. At that point, it, it was still true. They didn't really get it until they got full of his spirit. Then it began to teach them all things. And they began to really wake up. hmm That's enough. <laughs> if I were the Lord, I said, well, there are 11 good swords here. It's just you need to have somebody take you out of your sheaths uh-huh. and go after this one other anti-sword over here. hmm well, but that's just me. And he came out and went, as he was wont, as he was accustomed to, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that you enter not into temptation. Interesting. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus really had to get that flesh out of the way there, didn't he? He said, I'd rather not have to do this, but I'll do it anyway. It's your will. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Hmm. Apparently, only Luke notes that. Hmm. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. Isn't that interesting? I guess they'd rather sleep than to, to have to deal with the sorrow of the situation. Actually, those of us here today, if we found ourselves in a situation, probably rejoice. Say, well, here we go. Good things are about to happen. Let's rejoice instead. <laughs> uh huh. Sorrow of the world, right here. The world, oh, our master's going to be taken from us today. Elisha just said, "I know it." Just hold your peace. In other words, stop talking at me. I already Lord's already shown me what's going to happen. You know, I don't need you uh, messing around in it. <laughs> uh huh. And he said unto them, "Why sleep you?" Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Uh-huh. Better. He, he told these guys, he said, look, you're going to have to stay prayed up all the time. Lest you enter into temptation. You're going to enter therein. Huh. You enter into temptation. It's not a sin to be tempted, but when you enter into the temptation, that's where sin comes in. And then sin... Brings forth death. Yeah, the wages of sin is death. That's why God told Eve, In the day that you touch it or eat thereof, you will die, because that's a sin. I don't want you knowing both good and evil. I just want you to know the good things. I want you to be righteous. I don't want you to have a split mind to be righteous on Sunday and then to be unrighteous on Monday. I don't want it. Don't eat that fruit. Mm-hmm. it's poison to you most sincere believers out there are so hungry they'll eat anything including poison today just to get fed see what I mean? Mm-hmm. to eat that fruit of that tree every time knowledge of good and evil that's what took Satan out I think he was the first one to bite down on that fruit Mm-hmm. I will be like the most high he said "Uh huh. I'll substitute for him I'll be as God in other words he promised Eve he says you and your husband here will be as gods knowing both good and evil they didn't need to know the evil part of it that wasn't they weren't designed to contain evil the Lord designed our earthen vessel here this body to be the temple of the Holy Spirit not to be the temple of anything else. Mm-hmm. That's why the old man has to die. That original sin has to die out so that we can bring forth the, the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit, the good things of God, that good fruit, and sow that good seed out there. Mm-hmm not like the natural man in his church that goes out and sows uh, tares among the wheat even if there's enough grain to go around Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say I guess now is when you go to the natural churches you've got just a bunch of tares and you don't even have any wheat anymore there's nothing good hardly coming out of them anymore if you monitor them on television or you go and sit in one of their mediocre uh, messages mm-hmm. I know a, a brother who went to one recently and he come out just livid he's he told me he said they taught the people nothing sat him down had one little watered down scripture on a big screen to make it seem like they're getting more while well, everybody enjoyed their lattes and the music and that's about it left just uh, spiritually bankrupt huh. okay so temptation the temptation to, to go back into an apostate state and to backslide And forget what church was all about in the first place. I think this is what Jesus was talking about. Stay prayed up. Don't let your spirit slip out. Don't let anything slip. Mm -hmm. Don't be (laughs) Uh backslidden. My witness is true. I've seen ministers, so-called, slide back into such an apostate state that all they did was pester the people instead of pastor them. Remember, we went through that in 2007, last year. God cleaned house on one that did sleep and enter into temptation. In fact, several different ones cleaned up on them. Mm -hmm. Their carcasses fell in the wilderness. It's up to them. They, and they entered into temptation. They were tempted to go and gossip and start opening their heads when they shouldn't have, and bugging God's people make them uh, make the sheep want to jump the fence. Mm-hmm. All right. Verse 47, And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the son of man with a kiss? (laughs) Yeah, kiss of death. Isn't that what you get in the mob when they turn against you? You've just killed too many of their own and they send out their guys to come and have one last good time with you? And then when they got you good and screwed up and bring you into a place and all gives you hugs and kisses, and then a bullet to the head. It's called the kiss of death. hmm Watch Goodfellas. They did it to the Joe Pesci's character in Goodfellas. They gave him the kiss of death. hmm Just when everything seemed hunky-dory, yeah, we're going to make you. We're going to make you a made man. Yeah, that made him dead. Face down on the floor with a bullet to his head. Kiss of death here. Something. Beware when all men speak well of you. That's the kiss of death. (laughs) Marvel not if the world hate you. That's life eternal. (laughs) Right? Isn't that something? Yeah. When they which were about him saw, what would follow? Mm -hmm. What was going to happen? They said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with the sword? Shall we strike with the sword? What sword? <laughs> Today we strike with the sword of the word. We don't have to go and cut somebody's ear off here. And one of them smote the servant of the high priest, one of these officers here. And you can see that this happened uh, when you watch the Passion. Uh, it's quite graphic, and cut off his right ear. The Passion was accurate on this one. And that one of them was Peter here. (laughs) A little bit jumpy. (laughs) And Jesus answered and said, Suffer you thus far. Mm -hmm. And he touched his ear and healed him. Speaking of the officer whose ear was cut off. Then Jesus said unto the chief priests, and captains of the temple and the elders which were come to him. Be you come out as against a thief with swords and staves. Why do you got such an angry mob coming out here after me? I'm just one guy here. Just me and my disciples. You got all your weapons. You need all this warfare and all this power going on, this big show of force and uh, gang-style intimidation. Uh-huh. What's all this about? When I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hands against me. No, they couldn't because it wasn't his time yet. Something had to stop them. And something usually did. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Well, this is just the way it is. That's fine. This hour is yours. Enjoy your short little hour. Mm -hmm. Satan's angry here because he knows that he has but a short time. Mm -hmm. Speaking about us as saints, our lifetimes, even if it's just a couple of thousand years, that's still a short time to him. Mm -hmm. It ain't forever. (laughs) We have eternity. The devil... Ain't got forever. That's something we have that he doesn't. We have eternal life. He doesn't. Mm -hmm. He gets to go back down to the pit and we get to enjoy pleasures evermore. How about that? So yeah, he's angry because he just has a short time left for all his kicks and all his shenanigans. Uh Uh-huh. All we have to do is endure and overcome through that time. We get our reward and we get to move on. We get to go home to glory where we belong. Then took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. He was afraid of what people would think about him if he were to be associated at this point. He still had that natural mind. Mm Mm-hmm. And all he did for three and a half years, more or less, walking with Jesus Christ was follow him, but in a religious spirit. Remember, Jesus told him, when you're converted, then you'll be worth something here. Then you'll have something to say. Then you'll be able to strengthen your brethren. Right now, you're not doing anybody any good. You're just a hanger on, just a dead weight being dragged around. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. Here comes an accusing spirit. This was an interesting trial for Peter as well. Ah, When he got a little bit of attention, let's see what he did. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. I don't want to have anything to do with him. I don't want to have anything to do with Reverend Wright. Or I don't want to have anything to do with this Father Flager. Or I don't know anything about this guy over here that... See what I mean? <laughs> it's funny, the devils out there can deny their own too. It's even more interesting when you got somebody here, Jesus Christ, that does have the right spirit to give, And then you have a disciple here that doesn't want to cop to it. Quite interesting. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. Wow. I've seen holy prophets betrayed as well in my lifetime. A little persecution came. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Those people. They're bringing persecution. Oh, my flesh can't stand that. Oh, woe is me. Fine. If you're going to do that, don't need you around. Mm -hmm. Just tell it like it is here. I've seen it in my own experience. I've seen these scriptures lived out in modern times in my own lifetime. So I'm just going to relate what the Lord has. Whether it be back here in the, in the Word or whether it be living the Word today. I'm going to give you the proper application for it. And about the space of one hour after, another confidently affirmed saying, Of a truth, this fellow, this guy over here, also was with him for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. Well, his number was up. The rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. I bet that was some look. <laughs> I bet it was the same kind of look that my dad would give any one of us when he was serious about, really serious about something. He'd give you that look. And there wasn't anybody that... that could look at you that way. It was something. he give it give you that look like, you are you going to do? That serious look. She knows that look. That look that he gets, That's that real, all right, here's where the line's drawn kind of look. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Good for him. Mm-hmm. It was probably the first time that Peter had ever ever felt a tender emotion in his life. He was an old, rough, tough, cursing and swearing fisherman. Mm-hmm. An old, salty sea dog. That's the kind of men and women God wants to save. He says, I came... Not to bring the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Fine. Mm-hmm. So good. Peter went out and wept bitterly. It's about time. Get all that gall and all that bitterness gone. <laughs> uh huh. Wine mingled with gall at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And the men that held Jesus mocked him and smote him. Well, fine. And when they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, "Prophesy, who is it that smote thee?" Mm-hmm. Man, prophesy. In other words, why don't you uh, use a spirit of divination or something? Name the guy that was hitting you right here. Blindfolded. They kidnapped him. That's a federal offense. <laughs> uh huh. You got to realize that this is now in the middle of the night, not during normal business hours. You know, the Larson Justice Center down here is open during business hours and they conduct their court then. And when they don't finish, after uh, five or six o'clock, sometimes. They say, well, we'll adjourn to the next day and the proceeding continue on during the next day. Well, this is what they call a kangaroo court which can take place anytime, day or night, right? The devil accuses the, the brethren before God day and night. He has no concern over business hours or proper manners because evil communications corrupt good manners. The devil doesn't have any good manners. This was conducted on the side. They hired these witnesses to come in later, it shows them knocking on their doors and paying them to say, hey, it's time to go. We, it's time to go out here and uh, witness against the, this uh, Jesus of Nazareth over here. They show it going on. It was accurately portrayed in the Passion, that movie. It's quite interesting. Now, I don't refer to it as scripture, I'm talking about the movie, but accurately portrayed. This is the kind of thing that's going on here. Very shady. And many other things blasphemously spake they against him. Well, they had, their little, they had their little party. They had their little song and dance. Well, and as soon as it was day, this was all during the night, see? As soon as it was day... The next day here, here's what they start with. The elders of the people and the chief priests and the scribes came together and led him into their council, right into the Sanhedrin. Art thou the Christ, tell us. And he said unto them, if I tell you, you will not believe. And if I also ask you, you will not answer me nor let me go. You're not going to do anything for me. He says, I'll tell you what. Hereafter shall the Son of Man, speaking of Himself, sit on the right hand of the power of God. Fantastic. (laughs) Then said they all, Art thou then the Son of God? And He said unto them, You say that I am. He says, in the literal translation here, you rightly say that I am. In other words, if you, did, if you would say that I am, you would be right. Get my meaning? If you'd say it truthfully, then you'd be right. <clears throat> However, you're all in the wrong spirit. <laughs> and according to Jesus here, they're all dead wrong. He told them, he says, you're like whited sepulchers. You're like graves that are painted white. You look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. Uh-huh. Which dead men? All the prophets that were sent to them by God himself, the ones they slew between the porch and the altar. You know, I looked that one up, and it was uh, Zechariah. They slew him between the porch and the altar, and Zechariah had some of the most interesting prophecies about the coming of Christ. There's another one. In the New Testament, they call him Zacharias. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. From the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zacharias, the son of Barachias, whom you slew between the porch and the altar. He says, which of the prophets haven't you killed? <laughs> Why not just uh, add another one here? Why not? hmm Art thou the Christ? Spirit in him knew it. You know how? He told him, he said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, mm-hmm. hypocritical, acting religious, but not able to be righteous. So even the devil in him knew who Christ was. All the other devils did. He'd cast devils out, and they'd say, You're the you're Jesus Christ. The Son of God. Are you here to torment us before our time? Yeah, I'm here to give you a good tickle in the ribs, so to speak. I'm going to give it to you straight. Here you go. Go, get out. Mm-hmm. Even the devils knew him. Who are you? Hey, look, you've seen me preaching in town for how many years now and you still don't get it? They're acting here. They are hypocrites because they're acting like they don't know who he is when they really do. Mm -hmm. A lot of confusion, a lot of weirdness flying around at this point. And according to Luke here, he says, they said, what need we any further witness? We don't need any further testimony, no further questions, for we ourselves have heard it for we ourselves have heard of his own mouth. Mm-hmm. Fine. Well, all of this had to be fulfilled. Why not seal it for good? And the whole multitude of them arose, the whole assembly, and led him unto Pilate. Why? In most cases, and this was one of them, only the Roman governor could pronounce a death sentence. Hmm. I guess that's why the devil had the power of death. These guys here were full of the devil. (laughs) Jesus told them, you are of your father, the devil, and your father's works, you will do. And here they are fulfilling what he just told them they would do, the absolute work of the devil to try to destroy the Lord's anointed, holy one. Mm -hmm. They tried it with Moses. The devil tried it with Moses, tried to kill him off. Herod did the same thing when he tried to kill Jesus as an infant. They had to go down into Egypt and wait till Herod died off. Mm. Then another Herod came along, and he wasn't much better. A few different Herods in there. Mm Mm-hmm. At least three that I could name. Isn't that something? They did not want, the Jews here did not want their nation to be occupied by the Romans, and yet they used the Roman governor to get rid of their own king of the Jews, the righteous Messiah here that they were supposed to be waiting for and supposed to know about how odd don't you find that slightly disturbing we don't like these Romans but we're going to have to use them for whatever kind of gain that we can get at this point it all become political now Mm -hmm. an assassination a smear campaign a kidnapping in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. A hate campaign. They hired sons of Belial to testify against him and to tell lies. Yellow journalism. I said yellow journalism. Their own brand of it back here in Linden, or I mean Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. similar okay led him to Pilate the Roman governor over that area and they began to accuse him saying we found this fellow perverting the nation what go to somebody just ask anybody in certain religious areas if their priest is uh, perverting the nation today through a, a scandal of some kind y'all know what I'm talking about Jesus never did that and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, no he didn't either now that was a lie of the devil right there he said render unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's that's his picture on the penny isn't it well give him his uh dang penny then Render unto God the things that are God's. How about that? You present your bodies holy, acceptable, without spot, blameless, as a living sacrifice to the Lord. That's how you do that. That's how you give everything to God that He's got coming and just remember Him every time you sit down to dinner and remember Him every morning when you wake up and seek Him. Uh huh. And all those other things to get God's attention, just remember him and and keep his commandments and love one another. (laughs) I'd throw that in too. That's how that works. Saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Look how they twisted everything around. Now it's just a bunch of political garbage and jargon flying around now. Well, he says he's, you know, he says he's the king here. So that must mean he doesn't care anything about Caesar. No. Jesus told a couple of guys, just go down and get a couple of fish and we'll go and pay our taxes. You you go down to the pond there, you grab the first couple of fish that you can get, and you'll find enough uh, money in their mouth, in the fish's mouth there, to pay our taxes. Jesus and Peter paid their taxes. They paid the taxes. Gosh, that might be just the occasion that they needed to meet Matthew who was a tax collector for the Romans isn't that interesting ever thought about it that way he was a tax collector they they called called him a publican the Jews hated the publicans because they were Jewish people who collected taxes for the Romans (laughs) uh oh uh huh and these are the people that Jesus sought out, the unpopular ones. Take new. No. And Pilate asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, Thou sayest it. Literally, it is as you say. All right. Yep, yeah, that's right. When you read John, there's another little bit of dialogue there, where Jesus tells him, and it's in the Passion too, depicted accurately during that scene. He he tells Pilate, he says, "Look, yeah, I am the King of the Jews. However, my kingdom, this is so important. My kingdom is not of this world." He said, the kingdom of God is going to be within man. Christ within you, your hope of making glory. Your hope of glory. Christ within you, the hope of glory. That's where the kingdom is. Then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, the crowd at this point, I find no fault in this man. I don't care. I don't know anything about your strange Jewish politics. What's all this stuff? And they were the more fierce. Fierce, incontinent, despisers, boastful, proud, haters of God, disobedient to parents, implacable, unmerciful. Look up a few of those, and you'll get the spirit behind this fierce spirit here, saying... He stirs up the people teaching throughout all Jewry, all Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place. He's been hither and yon everywhere doing all this, stirring them up. Well, the religious leaders didn't have enough spirit to get anything going or to stir anything remotely uh, worth anything, anything good. They weren't preaching the gospel like they should have been. Oh, yes. They had forgotten that their job was to serve the people, not to rule over them and become political leaders and, full, and, uh, and powerful and more knowledgeable, supposedly, than any Galilean. They hated it. They hated Galileans just because they were, uh, well, they thought they were country bumpkins or something. Oh, they're just a bunch of foul-mouthed fishermen down there. They don't know anything. We're the guys up here in our university in our big white towers and our big upper rooms and we're the guys that got the best clothes and have the best diction. Mm-hmm. In the book of Acts, they could tell that they were Galileans because of their regional diction. Y'all. Kind of like that. If you go down to the south, they have a regional dialect. <laughs> when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged unto Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod. I'm going to pass the buck. I don't, I don't want to put this guy down. We'll see if the king over here will uh, consent to what these people want because I can't figure out what these people want. Pilate didn't know. He was a Roman. He wasn't used to Jewish tradition, especially all of their religious stuff. It's co- confusing as all get out. And they kept it that way for a reason. They kept the people down under that confusion and kept the people ignorant. While they themselves supposedly enjoyed all of this knowledge and everything, they hoarded it. But they never did uh, do any good with it. In fact, they tried to use the word or lack of the word and tried to use the the word of... Uh, The point I'm trying to make is, they, they said this one time, they said, search and look. In other words, look through the scriptures. For out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. They were dead wrong. Jesus was one. Obadiah was one. Nahum was one. Several different others. You can look look them up and see which, where they came from. Although, <laughs> some of the places used different names. From the New Testament to the Old, but it was all the same area. Mm-hmm. Nahum was one because Capernaum contains Nahum's name. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Capernaum. That's right. It's just spelled a little oddly. You can have a lot of fun when you get down into this stuff, but let's get back to this. He sent him to Herod, <laughs> who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. Now, this becomes very interesting and when Herod saw Jesus he was exceeding glad for he was desirous to see him of a long season he'd been waiting to see him for a long time because he had heard many things of him, yeah I'm sure he had, word had gone out about Jesus all over the place by this point that was it, Jesus' ministry is now done mostly done in the flesh here as far as the flesh is concerned the days of his flesh uh So yeah, you had the report of the entire ministry going out everywhere. These people were without excuse. Even Herod, probably even Pilate. Unless Pilate had been out fishing this whole time. Too bad Galilee was the best place to go fishing. Follow me, I'll make you fishers of that. (laughs) How about that? That was a good place to go fishing, wasn't it? All right. And he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. I want to see a bunch of spiritual fireworks going off. Herod was the kind of guy who'd sit down and read the National Enquirer and believe everything in there. Mm Mm-hmm. Herod was the kind of guy who would sit down and watch Chris Angel Mind Freak and believe that all that stuff was real. Mm Mm-hmm. Real garbage. Just a bunch of lunacy. You see what I'm saying, though? He just wanted to see the, uh, the spiritual fireworks going off. Mm-hmm. Then he questioned him in many words, but he answered him nothing. Jesus just didn't have anything to say to this guy. He was more interested in the sensationalism of Christ's ministry than he was about actually getting a soul right with God, which is what really would have mattered. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him, trying to get Herod to do something. Well, Pilate won't do anything, so we'll bring him over to this guy. Maybe this guy will sympathize with us. And Herod, with his men of war, set him at naught, treated him with contempt, and mocked him, and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him again to Pilate, just sent him back. Oh, thanks, Pilate. We, uh, we enjoyed your little uh, goofy session here. We had a fun time. And now we're going to send him back to you in a nice robe. He doesn't look so good at this point. And the same day, Pilate and Herod were made friends together. Oh, strange bedfellows here. For before... They were at enmity between themselves. This is still, to me, and I admit this, still boggles my mind. (laughs) Pilate and Herod weren't exactly the best of friends, but after this, apparently they were. For some reason, they thought this was a joke, or they thought this was funny, or something happened, and they all had a good laugh. They all had a nice little goof-off period here, hmm And two devils, this Pilate and Herod now, were friends again. If the Lord shows you anything further on this, or you attain any kind of knowledge, I'd like to know how this situation resolved itself the way it did. It's kind of to me, it's just odd. But this is the way the devil operates, and that I can tell you for sure. Devils will tear each other up and they will agree with one another. They're just that fickle with one another as they are with God's people. Mm -hmm. Two-faced. Remember, divided minds here are very unstable. Uh A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, the word says. So, verse 13, And Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests and the rulers of the people, said unto them, You have brought this man unto me as one that perverts the people. I'll tell you what. It was these chief priests and rulers that were perverting the people. Jesus told them so. He told them everything they were doing wrong. He says, by your tradition, you transgressed the law. That whole Corbin thing. Getting children to pay off their parents so they wouldn't have to honor them anymore. Mm -hmm. Or take the debt upon themselves and swear it to God instead of to the people they were supposed to pay the debt to. That was Corban. It was one of the, the, well, the first commandment with promise of eternal life, that you live long upon the earth and have life eternal, with promise of life eternal, that children should obey their parents, for this is right in the Lord. In the original transcripts, it means the promise of life eternal. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first commandment with promise. Mm -hmm. Life eternal promise thereby. Uh, This is neat. So it was the uh, chief priests and the rulers that were actually perverting the people. Mm -hmm. You remember all through the Gospels, you read about how if Jesus was teaching in the synagogue or in the temple, somebody with an unclean spirit would be sitting right there in church to bug him, to annoy him, and to distract him and interrupt what he was doing. Where'd that bad spirit come from if the bad spirit was in the church already? Probably came from the church leaders. If you want to know the truth about it, The insanity was that thick. Mm -hmm. Other scriptures say that these these rulers here were filled with madness. Insanity. Religious insanity. Mm -hmm. Just because someone is religious doesn't mean they have salvation. In fact, those people that I know that do have salvation aren't a bit religious. Not a one. That's how you know. Somebody's too religious. Stay away from them. Either get them converted or get them far from you. Avoid them. Mm -hmm. If they want to be ignorant, let them be ignorant. You want to move on with the Lord? You're more than welcome to. He says, uh, Okay, so Pilate said unto them, You've brought this man unto me as one that perverts the people one that misleads them Mm-mm. and behold I having examined him before you in other words I, I had my soldiers beat the crap out of him earlier with their, all their stripes and everything that's what examined is have found no fault in this man touching or concerning those things whereof you accuse him so I can't see what you're, what what point you're trying to make here, guys. What's the point of all this? Why are you doing this to me? Hey, Pilate's probably thinking, you know, my time's precious. I got other things to do besides uh, mess around with these guys' pol- religio-political uh, garble. He says he goes on to say this. No, nor yet Herod. For I sent you to him. I sent you to him. <laughs> I could just hear him doing this. <laughs> and lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him, or is done by him concerning Jesus. He said, this Jesus hasn't done anything worthy of death. He says, I will therefore chastise him and release him. He says, well, I'll give him a good whipping and then I'll let him go. For of necessity, he must release one unto them at the feast. Hmm. Their tradition was that Pilate would release a Jewish man out of a Roman prison once a year or something like that. Well, you got this tradition, I'll just release him to you. And they cried out all at once, saying, away with this man and release unto us Barabbas. And it tells you who Barabbas was, who for a certain sedition, an insurrection made in the city and for murder was cast into prison. He was a murderer and a troublemaker. And he looks really funny in that movie. We don't want you to uh, release Jesus. We want Barabbas instead. We want a murderer, and this troublemaker. Man. Okay. Pilate, therefore, willing to release Jesus, spake again to, to them. But they cried, saying, Crucify him. Crucify him. And he said unto them the third time, Why? What evil has he done? I have found no cause of death in him. No reason. I will, therefore, chastise him and let him go. And they were instant with loud voices. Isn't that something? That's just devil's tactic number one right there. Come at you full force with all the noise and all the bluster he can muster. That's just what he does to try to knock you a little bit off your game. Hmm. Everything he can throw at you all at once, and real loud. He thinks if he screams louder than anything else, then he can stop you from hearing the voice of God. Don't let that happen to you. <laughs> Paul told the Hebrews one time, he says, You're dull of hearing. What happened? It's probably the devil coming at him with all these loud noises. Uh huh. <laughs> Yeah, well, some of them were probably standing here. Some of the ones that Paul had to talk to later on were probably standing here making the same loud noises. They were convicted in their heart, and he said, well, what do we do then? Peter had to tell them, well, repent, be baptized, and be filled with the Holy Ghost then. That's how it started working. They got rid of their loud noises and settled down a little bit. Some of them. It's interesting. Instant with loud voices. Let me see. Um, Just insistent with loud noises. You know, the devil has his revival going on, and it's going full steam ahead. He's doing everything he can with all of his loud noises and all of his bluster and all of his so called signs and wonders to let you know what he thinks about certain things. Mm-hmm. He insists that he, he's right, even though he knows he's dead wrong. That's insanity. Okay, instant with loud voices requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and of the chief priests prevailed. Well, if God's people don't stand up for what they believe in, and we've all taken our stands here, but if God's people don't start standing up for what they believe in, then some other voice is going to prevail out there. I'll tell you what, in this room, in this camp, and in this body, it's not going to prevail. There's enough of us that are going to continue on into the end to make sure that the voice of the devil around here never prevails. You with me? Mm -hmm. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. You know what? He feared these Jews. I would have to say that Pilate was a Roman and didn't have a lot of guts. Like a Roman should, especially a governor. If you were a Roman procurator, Roman governor, you had made governor by whipping everybody up the ladder to governor including to being captain of a legion, centurion, whatever. You had to whip all those guys to get up above them. You had to wrestle them or defeat them in combat in order to get rank over them. Mm-hmm. That's how it worked. Climb the ladder the hard way. Somehow he'd lost his guts here. Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't expect a natural man such as Pilate himself to be able to resist those devils that were in, not only Judas, but the scribes and the Pharisees. The rest of the people were overtaken with it. The people just mirrored what the scribes and the Pharisees did because if they went against them or dissented, then the scribes and the Pharisees would kick them out of their churches and start a bunch of trouble with the people. The people were afraid of the leadership And Pilate was afraid of this multitude here and the devils that had entered into him. (laughs) Remember, Satan himself was in Judas already, still running around town. And he released unto them him that for sedition and murder was cast into prison, whom they had desired or requested be released but he delivered Jesus to their will. Mm -hmm. We have a riot brewing here. Yeah, he was afraid that the whole city would be racked with dissent and violence, which would, in the end, also do Pilate's political fortunes no good. Mm -hmm. Pilate was already a lousy ruler and a lousy governor. Mm -hmm. Pilate was already in trouble with Caesar at certain points historians will even tell you that their own Roman writings give it away then they kept records of everything just like if you went into the rotunda today you could find a record of every decision, every yes or no vote every up or down in Washington DC since its inception Romans did the same thing Our government's supposed to be based on Pilate's way here. I'll tell you what. It still is. (laughs) only it's worse. It's more corrupt. Pilate knew that if he didn't spill the blood of Jesus here, his blood would be the next blood to be spilled. Mm -hmm. See what I mean? Political. Politics. All right, verse 26, and as they led him away, they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, an African Jew, coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. Ah, well, they beat on Jesus so bad that they needed somebody to help him carry his cross, as far as we know. You know it turns out later that this Simon, the uh, the Cyrenian, had daughters that prophesied mm-hmm. And there followed him a great company of people and of women which also bewailed and lamented him. You know why they loved him so much, especially the women here? He'd just tell them go and sin no more. And they'd get converted, and they'd get healed. Mm-hmm. No more sin. He cast seven devils out of one. That's quite the deliverance, isn't it? But Jesus, turning unto them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in which they shall say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bear and the paps which never gave suck. Isn't that something? He's telling them, see, look. The children that you're going to bear, if any, if you can get past the curse on this town, are going to be so oppressed by these religious leaders, you're going to wish you had somewhere else to go. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. Here, he's quoting an old scripture, and I want to give the reference. He's quoting Isaiah 2.9. And it looks like there's also one from Hosea and one from Revelation in there as well. To say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. We'd rather be under a heap of boulders than under this religious oppression that we're under now. Isn't it true? Mm-hmm. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? If this is the good time, what's the bad time going to be like? Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, here the ear is green and gives forth her fruit. What are they going to do when there isn't anything? It's almost like today. Jesus' day was the green tree. Today it's the dry. We're going to have to water this land with the water of the word, folks. You're going to go out and do it. You're doing it. You're doing it the best you know how. When the Lord anoints you to go out and minister full time, you'll be on fire for God. And you'll, you'll get the work done. You'll be able, well able to do it. Boy. And there were also two others, malefactors, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, Latin for skull. Nice place. There they crucified him and the malefactors, nailed him up to the wood, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They got no idea what they're actually doing. They don't know what they're doing to themselves. They don't know what they're doing to me. And they don't know, they have no idea at all how they're fulfilling the actual scriptures they're supposed to know, but the scribes and Pharisees never taught them. There's another angle to it. Scribes and the Pharisees never taught these people the difference between right and wrong. Only convinced them to do things that were wrong and try to tell them, no, you're doing the right thing. That whole Corbin thing. Remember that? He said, no, that's okay. We'll let you go ahead and dishonor that commandment. That doesn't, that just applied for those people back there. Well, that was just for the old apostles. That's not for us today. Bullcorn. <laughs> All of this is for us today. We know more about it today than they did back here. Remember, Jesus just told these women? Boy, this is a rough time. You're going to wish for better things. Well, the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did. That Jesus Christ. Mm Mm-hmm. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. That fulfilled an Old Testament prophecy. Mm Mm-hmm. And the people stood beholding, just stood there with their bare faces hanging out. Well, we're just going to watch this all go down. And the rulers also with them derided him. They sneered at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. If. That one little doubting devil there. If. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him, offering him vinegar, sour wine. The bottom of the barrel. Called it vinegar. Mingled with gall. That was another Old Testament prophecy fulfilled right there. They gave him his drink. And saying if thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Ah. (laughs) In other gospels, in some of the other uh, writings, it says that the scribes and the Pharisees hated it, that uh, Pilate had written this and put it up on there and Pilate just says well what I've written I've written what's it to you you leave it up there made him leave it up there that was kind of an interesting twist of uh, what would you call it little ironic little twist of irony there (laughs) Uh, because at that point you know here's Pilate he's screwed up enough and he's got to deal with all this nonsense he just goes fine I'm just going to do something that's going to now, have at you a little bit. <laughs> Notice it was written in three languages, Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And they have it in all capital letters here. King with a capital K, Jews with a capital J. And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him. Blasphemed, it says saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Wrong spirit. If is the name of a doubting devil. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Does not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? What's your problem, buddy? You're about ready to go meet God himself. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you have any fear of God, seeing as how you're about to meet him? Mm-hmm. And we indeed justly this is the criminal still talking here for we received the due reward of our deeds. It's like we deserve this. We're criminals, we deserve this. But this man has done nothing amiss. He'd done nothing wrong. Even the mind of the criminal here had a cleaner conscience and a cleaner attitude towards life than did these so-called religious leaders. How many of our religious leaders today have we caught in scandals? I have (laughs) said. And then go back the way they were and and try to resume business as usual. Being forever in the mind of man, lousy examples. Now, if they get it straight with God, that's great. But who's going to believe them anymore? Loads of them. Who's going to believe them anymore? And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Oh, isn't that sad? The man couldn't say, when we enter into our kingdom together as brethren. See what I mean? Thy kingdom. Okay, moving on. And Jesus said unto him, "Verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Down in Sheol, there was a nice place to go. There's also probably a not-so-nice place to go where the rich man in hell was. When they say hell, they talk about the nether parts of the earth, Sheol. However, there's a part, a part of Sheol, as I understand, to the best of my knowledge, and I'm fairly knowledgeable, that there's a bad place where the flames are in hell, and then there's a paradise here where the souls of men went from Adam to Jesus. And then later on, when Jesus was resurrected, The bodies of the saints, about 500 of them, came up out of their graves, the ones that were buried there locally, and came and walked around town. Uh Uh-huh, that was something. They were no longer left in hell, neither did the Holy One see any corruption. (laughs) He was only there for three days, and he didn't stink too bad. He resurrected real nice, body and soul. and then released those captives that were in this paradise here and opened up the kingdom of God to them. So now we've come full circle. You notice he told them today, that's all he gave them. What happened later on, that's between this man and God here. No, Jesus did go down and preach to those captives down there in paradise, to the souls of men as though they were still living. And whether they heard or whether they forbear, that's between them and the Lord as well. I really don't have anything more to say on it. I wonder if this guy here did get it right. But again, I don't have any further knowledge to give on it. And it was about the sixth hour. And there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Back in the temple, they were doing the the service of the old law with all the instruments and the sacrifices and everything. At least they were supposed to have been. I think they just... I think they, at that point they'd forgotten more about all of that stuff and it was just more of a tradition than anything at that point. But the veil where the holiest of all was was rent in twain right down the middle tore right from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. There was an earthquake and everything. Jesus entered once into that veil once for all so that we could stand in the presence of God without having to go into a veil and to make all of those religious preparations and to do all of those religious traditional services. You know, cut the cookies out, burn them, put the incense in the thing and burn that, take the shoulder and wave the head, do all that other stuff. You didn't have to do that anymore. Jesus did it once for all. And this was truly an interesting Passover. <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord passed over that temple and cut their veil down. Mm-hmm. The physical one and the spiritual one that they had over the eyes of the people that were supposed to be getting the word of God from these high priests and uh, religious rulers. Notice they call them rulers in Luke. Yep, they ruled with an iron fist did they made long prayers and bored people to tears literally pretentiously made long prayers and devoured widows houses oh little widow lady we need your inheritance so bad we gotta put these uh, stones back in the temple we've got to replace the big stones out in front cause they're getting worn down as we hammer away at the chief cornerstone and try to chisel away from him. See what I mean? Mm -hmm. The stone that the builders rejected now has become the head of the corner. (laughs) Jesus told him so. All right? And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father... Into thy hands I commend my spirit. You know, that's the way for us to live. That's all we have to do is just trust God. Two words, trust God. Commend your spirit to him for everything and stay at peace as much as you can. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. He breathed his last. He gave up the ghost. Mm -hmm. He told them before, he said, I have power to lay my life down and power to take it up again. And they hated that when he said that. He said, no man taketh my life from me, but I have power to lay it down and take it up again. And he didn't say anything to him at this point. He didn't have to because he was going to prove what he'd said earlier. So I'm going to willingly give my life down and have power to take it up again. That's why those devils back there say, well, if thou be the son of God and save thyself and us. Trying to stop him from taking his life back up again and to shortcut it. To get a shortcut in there. To put something in there that would stop the fulfillment of what he had talked about earlier. <laughs> there it is. Isn't that fun? Mm-hmm. Now, when the centurion saw what was done or what had happened, he glorified God saying, certainly this was a righteous man. Some witness, huh? It took a Roman to make that kind of witness. And all the people that came together to that site, beholding the things which were done, smote their breasts and returned. Mm Mm-hmm. They kind of beat themselves up a little bit. Hmm. Apparently, it's an expression of abject misery. I don't know why the people there had to be miserable. God was doing an amazing thing right here. I wouldn't have been the the least bit miserable. You know, that would have been such a powerful thing to see... You know, anybody would have been shaken up by it. But when you consider it, it would have been a fantastic thing to have witnessed. Especially the things that came after were so much better than all of this other stuff. And all his acquaintance and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off beholding these things. And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, he was a council member. Joseph of uh, Arimathea, apparently he was fairly well off, and he was a good man and just. The same had not consented to the counsel and deed of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. This was a man who was waiting for the real Messiah and knew that the real Messiah had come. The other guys had no idea who Jesus was, why he was there, even though he told them plainly. He said, I've told you plainly. You didn't believe me. If I tell you about natural stuff, and you can't understand what I'm talking about there, how in God's green earth are you going to understand the spiritual things? You can discern the face of the sky and what's going on. You know that when the fig shoots forth her branches, you know that summer's coming. You know it's fig season. If he could have gotten them to believe on a lump of figs, they could have been healed. Mm -hmm. If I'm right, Hezekiah the king, (laughs) the prophet told him, he says, You're going to die. And the king said, I don't want to die. He said, well, if you'll take a lump of figs and put it on your boil, you'll be healed. (laughs) But you know, Jesus came along to the fig tree in Jerusalem. He said, no fruit grow thereon from henceforth till forever. Forget it. There's not going to be any fruit here. Where is that fruit today? It's sitting right in this room today. That lump of figs is sitting here and it's going to heal any boil that it touches. How about that? <laughs> For a lump of figs. Okay? Mm hmm. We're going to enjoy some figs today, some good ones. The whole lump. Okay. All right, here we're, we're at Joseph. Okay, verse 52 Joseph, this man went unto Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. And he got it. And he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone, wherein never man before was laid. And apparently, according to tradition, this gravesite here had both rich people and poor people in it, all in the same tombs. <laughs> well, they come into this world alike and they leave in the same manner, don't they? Even a great, very great wise man in Ecclesiastes said the same thing. Is the rich man and the poor man come in naked and leave with nothing that they acquired during their life. And that day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew on. The Sabbath was coming. And the women also which came with him from Galilee, followed after, and beheld the sepulcher, and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments, and rested the Sabbath day, according to the commandment. No. At this point, they still had to do the law. They knew what was required to do on the Sabbath day. Boy, because you had to, because th- those religious leaders caught you doing something wrong on the Sabbath day. Boy, did they ever whack you a good one. Mm-hmm. And if they didn't like what, they, what you were doing, or what had been done for you by the Lord, they'd just cast you right out of church. And then your parents would have to take your coffin down up off the roof, down from off the roof, <laughs> and just bury you in absentia. That was something else, wasn't it? I think we ought to just finish this off because this is so good I don't plan on going on too much longer but let's get through this last chapter so we can get this project done this is a, one of my favorite projects right here all right now upon the first day of the week very early in the morning they came under the sepulcher bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, (laughs) about this, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. You don't see men like this very often. (laughs) Only when something special is happening, the shiny garments the guys who looked a lot better than the scribes and the Pharisees. (laughs) And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? I like that question. People out there, why are you going to some dead religious church and trying to seek the living there? They're not there. In other words, Jesus isn't here in this traditional religious site that people try and go to visit when they go to Jerusalem. What do you look? He's not here anymore. He's not up on that cross anymore. So take him down off the wall, and the cross down with it. He's not in this grave. So why bother going to visit unless you happen to be in town? See what I mean? Visit his gravesite. Some people think that that's just the greatest experience on earth. It's just another grave. He's not here, but is risen. Yeah. How could you seek the living among the dead? Mm-hmm. Or put it in uh, popular terms today. Christian folks, have you ever tried to go out in the natural world and try to get something done? It's like trying to ride a thoroughbred through a herd of jackasses. <laughs> You're the thoroughbred, and the rest of them out there without the Spirit are a bunch of jackasses. All those devils out there I'm talking about now. Mm-hmm. And then when you go to tell them what you think of them trying to get something done, one of them will pipe up and say, Well, you're just making an ass out of yourself. You say, Oh, no, I'm the thoroughbred. I'm trying to ride through a herd full of jackasses, and you're a bunch of jackasses out there. Maybe we need some jackasses in the city to preach the gospel. Balaam's donkey did tried to stop him from getting them both killed. The angel of the Lord had his sword drawn and the donkey was the only one sharp enough, if you pardon a pun, to see the sword and to see the angel. And Balaam was so dull, if you pardon a pun again, that he couldn't figure it. He just started beating his jackass. Mm-hmm. At least the, the dumb ass, if you pardon that expression again, forbade the madness of the so-called prophet. The false prophet. It's Bible. Mm hmm. Fine. So, either way, I'll either be the thoroughbred or the ass. It doesn't matter to me. Mm hmm. Because the foolishness of preaching can get the work of God done. That's Bible, too. Having fun yet? <laughs> I am. He's not here, but is risen. Remember, how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee. <laughs> Who are these guys? we never seen these guys before, yet they knew what he said. That's interesting. Saying the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day rise again. There's the long and the short of it. And they remembered his words. Mm-hmm. After they got rid of all their sorrow and everything, they started to be able to have a clear mind now and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles and their words seemed to them as idle tales and they believed them not. That's unfortunate. (laughs) Well, they couldn't enter in yet because of unbelief. That's Old Testament. And here we see it again in the New. (laughs) (laughs) But all is not lost here. Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulcher. And stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. It says here, it's about seven miles. And they talked together of all these things which had happened, and it came to pass that, while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. <laughs> the resurrected one, no. But their eyes were holden or restrained that they should not know him. Mm-hmm. Or they, they, they wouldn't know who he was. And he said unto them, what manner of communications, what kind of conversations are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? <laughs> Why so glum, chum? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? Isn't that the the question? Wow. It's like, boy, you must be a foreigner, because there's been so much going on here lately, you can't get away from it. Everybody knows everybody in Linden. That's right. I don't know why I said that. And he said unto them, what things? (laughs) What things? And they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered Him to be condemned to death and have crucified Him. But we trusted. We were hoping that it had been He which should have redeemed Israel. Should have or would have. Now, here's some folks here not quite living in the here and now. They thought the Lord had passed them up. Not quite believing the way that they should. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. <laughs> this is so funny. He told him, he says, look, I'm going to rise the third day. I'm going to be perfected. And here it's the third day. But they're, they're it's funny because they're saying it right to him. That's so great. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. Oh, here comes the report of these angels and everything. And certain of them, which were with us, went to the sepulcher and found it even so, as the women had said. But they saw him not. Then said he unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Not heaven? (laughs) He called them godless and slow of heart to believe. Your heart was your mind. (laughs) Biblically speaking. When he speaks of your heart, it's your mind and your soul. The thoughts and intents of the heart. Thoughts and intents come from your heart. They're actually medically now and scientifically finding out that the heart has more of a job to do than they actually realize, not just to pump blood. They're finding out that actual thoughts and intents do actually come from the the actual organ, the heart, instead of the brain I think that's interesting Jesus knew it back there he could have told you a long time ago it doesn't come from your brain it comes from your heart <laughs> your brain is there to keep you alive your heart is there to keep you praying mm-hmm. yeah you don't, he's telling you don't believe what the prophets have spoken Probably because nobody ever taught them what the prophets had spoken to begin with. That might have been the case there. Mm-hmm. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? They talked about it. They were supposed to know about verse 26 here. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I would have liked to have been there and heard that discourse on that. I, that would have been interesting to hear Jesus preach the Old Testament to me. Wouldn't that be neat? Hmm. And they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. <laughs> he just acted like he was just somebody. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. It looks like he tested whether to see whether they had good enough manners to invite him in for a nice dinner or not. You know, I bet if they'd used bad manners with him, he'd have just walked right on by. Mm-hmm. He went and visited somebody else. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. Here we go. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. (laughs) Uh, Isn't that funny? (laughs) As soon as they were able to see him, he'd just vanish again. Just to show him he could do it. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us, by the way? And while he opened to us the scriptures, Hmm. and they arose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the 11 gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. Isn't that great? He did it just to get these people to come together. A little more, a few more at a time, here and there. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Finally, through Jesus Christ, mercy and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace came through Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. The king of peace, king of Salem, king of peace. Jerusalem, king of peace. Peace be unto you. This is the first time probably that these people could ever feel any true sense of peace whatsoever. Because it only came by Jesus Christ. Now here he is, the resurrected Christ, to bring that peace right into our hearts. Mm -hmm. The peace that passes all understanding. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. All of those wonderful things that are were promised to us. Now, we finally get to partake with this. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. <laughs> and he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Doubts. Mm-hmm. Spirit of doubt. Faith and doubt don't mix. Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. He was there in body and in spirit, both. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy, and wondered, he said unto them, Have you here any meat? You got any food around here? I'm hungry. I could use some lunch. Hello? Uh, yeah, a couple of days ago, I, I've just been through all this, and what? you don't have anything to eat around here? <laughs> Where's your manners? You didn't offer me anything. You're just concerned about all your wonderments and stuff. <laughs> Says they wondered. They marveled. <laughs> They were happy, though. They believed not for joy. They were so happy they didn't know what to believe at that point, I guess. (laughs) And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and of a honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets. And in the Psalms, concerning me. That's where you find everything concerning Christ. Mm -hmm. Christ revealed right here. Then opened he their understanding. That's interesting. First their eyes were open, then their understanding was open. He opened their understanding. I find that an interesting phrase. did it. If the Lord keeps somebody ignorant or hardens their heart like he did Pharaoh, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. There was a reason for that. If any man be ignorant, whether it's his own stubbornness that's witchcrafting him or whether the Lord hardens their heart, let them be ignorant. They're gonna do it anyway. In order for you to minister to somebody, the Lord has to open that channel up to, for them to be able to receive it. Everybody have their chance, but not everybody's going to take that chance. He had to open their understanding so that they might understand the scriptures, it says. The Holy Ghost wasn't given, and it it wasn't there to teach them all things. It hadn't come back to them yet. We have to wait for the book of Acts after Luke's finished here, which isn't long, just a little bit more here, and said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. It was necessary for Christ to do this, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. This is just the beginning, folks. This is where it starts. Get folks like you prepared and full of the gospel so that you can start ministering. These very same things out of this very same word here. This, verse 47, repentance came first with John the Baptist. They had to get ready just to repent. And then remission came in through Christ. Now, Christ could talk about, since he's already resurrected now, he could talk about repentance and remission in the same sentence. Isn't that neat? Unfortunately now, if you go to one of the churches out here in the world, they can only offer you repentance and never offer you any remission. In fact, they will deny you remission no matter how hard you want to go into fisticuffs over it. You'll never be perfect. That's a lie of the devil. Being perfect means your sins have gone into remission, they will be remembered no more, and you are perfected, you are converted, and you are saved, you are healed. Period. Repentance and remission should be preached. How come they're not doing it today? It should be, but they will not do it. Well, I'm one that will, and I will do it, so... Off we go. Say goodbye to your sins. Those are the things that are still nailed to the cross. That's where they get remitted. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, it's like having your parking validated forever. Park those sins up there on that cross and leave them there. He nailed those things to his cross. Word says so. Nailing them to his cross. That's what it says. And you are witnesses of these things. Here you had eyewitnesses of the resurrected Christ here. The gospel. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. He's gonna. He's telling them, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit back for you. But tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Just stay here for a while until it comes. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Mm-hmm. Another scripture says that Jesus ascended far up above all heavens into glory. And Luke agrees with me perfectly. Mm-hmm. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. (laughs) If I was out on that trip and out out on the journey with these folks, I would hope that I could return with great joy instead of great anything else. Especially anything else that was greatly negative. Finally, these people had great joy. You don't really read about too much great joy until this happened here. Isn't that something? Okay? They worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Continually in the temple. Oh, I bet the chief priests and the scribes hated that. There wasn't anything that they could do about it. They'd already... Uh, Well, let's see. They'd already killed their Passover, hadn't they? They'd already had their shot. What were they going to do? You going to kill us like you did Christ the other day? Huh? What are you going to do? Is Pilate going to kill the rest of us too? Hmm? Yeah. Who are you going to hire to betray us this time? How many pieces of silver do you have? Well, there are 30 pieces of silver short today, most of them. A day late and a dollar short. Sad to say. Well, there's just one more word here. Praising and blessing God, that's the way to live your life. So be it. Amen. And that's the end of Luke.